If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Make sure you have your Bible ready. We're going to spend some time in the Word. Grab a notebook, grab a pen, write down what you're experiencing. But I want to start tonight like this. Have you ever noticed that if you spend time around uh, specific kind of groups of people, that certain groups of people, they speak a certain lingo, if you will, a certain language that sometimes to an outsider might sound a little foreign. For example, you know when you are in the presence of people who do CrossFit, am I right? Because you might hear them speak a certain language and it's foreign to your ear, but listen to some of the things that they might say. So as someone who does CrossFit, they can't say, like a normal person, I'm going to the gym, right? Because that's what they're doing. But for some reason, they can't say that. They have to say, I'm going to the box today. I'm heading to the box. Now, he's not speaking about a physical box that he wants to climb into to introvert a little bit. No, he's actually speaking about he's going to the gym. Maybe they say something like, yo, today we did an AMRAP session and it was hectic. And you're thinking, AMRAP, is that like a new music genre? Like, what exactly is this? It's not a music genre. AMRAP stands for as many rounds as possible. Okay, they love speaking in abbreviations also. They might say something like, I'm so excited about today's wad. And then you're thinking, that sounds like a sickness. You know, like, oh, shame, did you hear he has a wad? Like, poor guy, he was diagnosed with a wad. But it's not that. WAD actually stands for workout of the day, okay? So they might say something like that. You know when you're in the presence of people who do CrossFit. On the flip side, you also know when you're in the presence of Star Wars fans. Am I right? Yeah. Hallelujah. I'm also one of them. Because a Star Wars fan, they can't say, you know, I wish you well like a normal person. No, they might say something like, may the force be with you. Am I right? He's not, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I don't do, I don't know. But they might say something like that. Uh, maybe a Star Wars fan, when he's like trying to motivate you, you know, to encourage you, you know, he won't say like a normal person, you know, you can do this. I believe in you. You know, go for it. A Star Wars fan might rather say something along the lines of do or do not, but there is no try, right? Sometimes when you're in the presence of certain people, you can pick it up by the language they speak. And sometimes in church, we also have a language like that. There's even a word for it. It's called Christianese, right? Because sometimes in church, you may hear certain words that sound foreign. You're not exactly sure what this means. But it's important for us who follow Jesus to have a grip on these things. Because you maybe hear a word like, let's say, justification, and it sounds like a massive word. And that's actually the word that we explored a little bit in our first week of the series, where we spoke about salvation, about moving from being outside of Christ to in Christ. I now belong to him. That is being justified. It's the, the moment of justification. But sometimes Christians, maybe, throw, maybe they throw around a word like glorification, and you're like, what the heck is that? And that's something we're actually going to preach on next week, when we also tackle the topic of salvation, but kind of from the future tense angle. 
being in the sense that one day when Jesus comes back, I will also be glorified with him. It will be my glorification, my new resurrected body when Christ comes back. But tonight I want to speak about a word we throw around a lot in church, a lot in Christian circles, and it's the word sanctification, right? Maybe you've heard that word. Maybe you've uh, been confused by it. Maybe you're uncertain. But this is a word that you and I, we have to get a grip on. And it's because of this. The Barna, it's a research institution, but they actually did a study and they found that, get this, the average Christian, okay, comes to salvation 24 times. <laughs> if you put that into a year, that is you getting saved every second Sunday, <laughs> And I think it's because we lack a certain understanding when it comes to the word sanctification, the process of sanctification. And the word I want to use tonight to journey through that idea is this word maturity. Because when we talk about salvation in a present continuous tense, which I want to do tonight, I don't mean that you get saved again and again and again and again, because that is not what happens. If you feel that you get saved again and again and again, then, then you don't understand justification. But if you've ever find, found yourself in this position where you know you follow Jesus, but then you have a bad week, and you maybe stumble into some old, very unhealthy, very sinful habits. And now what happens? You feel far away from God, right? And then you think, okay, now I need to like recommit myself to God now. I need to say sorry. But that process is not being saved again, okay? I think that process of feeling far away from God and then wanting to now recommit myself to God, I think it's because we don't necessarily understand the process of maturing in the life of a Christ follower. And I want to speak about that tonight. The, the maturing of your soul, the maturing of your character, the sanctification, the growing up part of Christianity. I want to speak about three things. The maturing of the soul, the gift of repentance, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Let's dive into that first one. The maturing of the soul. First Peter 1 verse 9, uh, he writes and he says this, For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now the word end that you read there in that sentence, that literally refers to the great final, the final act, the ultimate completion. So Peter is writing that there is actually an end goal when it comes to your salvation and it's not not going to hell. If you think that is why you need to be saved so that you just don't go to hell, then you have a very small image of salvation and a very small image of Jesus because if salvation equaled just not going to hell, then why are we still here? Why were we not like zapped up into heaven to spend eternity now with God? Because there is actually a goal on this side of eternity. And that goal is maturing, growing up, being sanctified, becoming more like Jesus, growing from glory to glory. So when I speak about a soul maturity, it's the alignment process. It's when my thoughts become like Christ's thoughts. 
My emotions becomes like his emotions. My character becomes a Christ-like character. My thoughts become his. The way I go about life, it is as if it would be Jesus on earth going about his life. You see, we often get stuck in that cycle. I know I follow Jesus. Now I sin and I feel far away from God. Now I doubt my salvation. Now I doubt whether or not I even know God at all. But you see, the problem is not whether you are still connected to Jesus. That is actually a growing moment in the life of a believer. Something we should embrace. Something we should celebrate. Something you should take a hold of with both your hands and get everything out of it, as, get as much out of it as you can. James, he uh, refers to this kind of process in his book when he says in James chapter 1, verse 21 and 25, he says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to people who already know Jesus. So why would he write about something that's able to save their souls? Because he's writing about that present continuous saving the maturing process, the growing up in the life of a believer. He goes on to say, be doers of the word, not only hearers, hearers deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, oh honey, it's just like so good for the throat. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, he will be blessed in his doing. He's actually writing that if you stay shallow, if you stay in a sense a spiritual baby, right? If you don't grow, if you don't go on to grow in your maturity, if you don't become more like Jesus, you're actually like someone who looks at your face in a mirror and then you turn away and forget immediately who you are, right? Because that's a lot what happens in the life of a believer. I know I follow Jesus. I know I've been saved. And then I make a mistake. Now I feel far away from God. Does it mean you're no longer saved? No. Maybe you've forgotten who you are. I, I very often actually experience God speak to me when watching movies, okay? Like, I know it's like the most unspiritual thing you can probably do, but I'm actually very much aware when I'm watching something that God is busy speaking to me. And one of the all-time favorites, obviously you know this, but the Lion King, right? When Simba, he has this like vision of his father Mufasa and he's communicating with him. And what does his father say? His father says, Simba... You have forgotten who you are. And then what does he say? I bet you don't know this, but he says, you've forgotten who you are and so forgotten me. He's actually saying to Simba, the fact that you don't know who you are means you've forgotten who I am. And that is what happens in the life of a believer. You start doubting your salvation. Now you feel far away from God. But the question is not how you can now work your way back into God's good books the question is, remember the work of Christ. Remember what he did for you, making the way open and available to you. 
You see, in the movie The Lion King, Simba, when he was busy eating worms and bugs, he was still a king, right? He was no less a king than when he was actually living at Pride Rock. Pride Rock is not what made him a king. What made him a king was the fact that he was Mufasa's son, right? Same is true in the life of a believer. Don't forget who you are. Well, there are many ways you can actually grow in your maturity, many ways in which Christ can, can form himself within you. One of my favorite ways and one of the ways it's actually really hard in the life of a believer is the gift of repentance. Because I think a lot of times we confuse repentance with penance. Let me read you the definition of penance. Penance is punishment inflicted on oneself as an outward expression of wrongdoing. You see, by this definition, penance and repentance could literally not be more worlds apart from one another. Because here's what happens in the life of a believer. I know I'm saved. I follow Jesus. Then I make a mistake. I fall into sin or I fall into temptation. Now I think I'm going to do some penance. I'm going to punish myself. I'm going to feel really bad. You know, I'm going to hate myself. I'm going to not eat. You know, I'm going to make sure I live the most horrible life until Sunday when I go to church. Because then hopefully by Sunday, I would have now punished myself enough so that when I go into the auditorium, I maybe I can raise my hands and God won't like strike me down with a lightning bolt, right? Friend, that's penance. Repentance in the life of a believer is a gift. Repentance in your Bible actually means two things. There's a word metanoia and a word epistrefo. And the two meanings for the word repentance you read in your Bible is this. It's a changing of your mind, changing of the way you think, that's metanoia. I change the way I think. I change the way I believe. That inner belief system of mine, I rather bring it into alignment with who Jesus is and what he does. And that second word, epistrefo, means to turn around. I literally start walking in the opposite direction. Can you see how repentance is a gift? It's something that a follower of Jesus has at your disposal to help you grow, to help you mature, to save you continuously, to make you new. Thirdly, all of this, you know, kind of growing in your maturity, using repentance as a gift, you know, following Jesus day after day after day, my friend, my brother, my sister, all of this, Impossible without the Holy Spirit. Impossible without the Holy Spirit. Because there's the trap again. I know I'm in relationship with Jesus. I know I follow him. Now I make a mistake. I fall into temptation. I fall into sin. And now what do I do? I am going to just make myself a better Christian. I'm going to go to church three out of four Sundays this month. That has to impress God. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. every single morning and spend an hour reading my Bible because that'll impress God, right? I'm going to pray more. I'm even going to go, I'm even going to one up and I'm going to go to community group this month. And all of that, useless in the life 
of a believer if you are not actually filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit because He is actually the one that activates the work of God within me and within you so that I can grow. Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit in John 14, verse 15 to 17. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Sounds harsh, right? It's that thing of, well, if you love me, you have to do what I say, which doesn't sound, you know, like a really welcoming invitation, but he's actually speaking about a love relationship there. So he's actually speaking about in a love relationship, I'm naturally inclined to want to do what blesses this relationship. In my marriage, you don't have to tell me that I need to love my husband. I know I want to love my husband in such a way that our marriage will flourish. But he says, if you love me, keep my commands. And then he says this, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Maybe your Bible says helper to, uh, to, help, to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Can you see how Jesus connects these two things? The ability to obey his commands with the power of his Holy Spirit. He literally ties those two things together intentionally, making the point you will not be able to follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You will not be able to grow in your maturity. You will not be able to become more like Christ if you don't have the Holy Spirit alive within you. Acts chapter 2, let me get some honey. Jesus knew when he made honey, like he just knew, right? That's just like the most incredible thing in the world. Acts chapter 2 records the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has now ascended to the throne. His disciples are left wondering, what do we do now? And Jesus says, wait for the Holy Spirit, right? And Acts chapter 2 records how in a moment they are filled with the Spirit. They start speaking different languages. Peter preaches his very first sermon. 3,000 people get saved. And then literally just a few chapters after that, in Acts chapter 4, those same disciples ask God to fill them again with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it is possible to actually be filled again and again and again and again as I walk with God, as I journey with Jesus, as I go about life with Him, the Holy Spirit in me, He's the one who helps me grow. Now, when it comes to maturing, growing up in your faith, I think that there are two ways we can go about this. There's a passive maturing and an active maturing. Now, passive is not bad because here's what I mean by passive maturing. Passive maturing is that maturing that just happens with you because of the environment that you're in. So you're not necessarily doing much, but you're there, right? And can I be very honest for a second? This is where I think something like church on a Sunday and a small group gathering in the week is a non-negotiable for someone who follows Jesus, because that is the environment that will be conducive to your growth. That is the environment that will be conducive for the Holy Spirit to bring about the work of maturity in your life. Do you want to grow? Do you want to be more like Jesus? Just be in this environment. A lot of these people that we baptized tonight, 
you know where most of their stories started? I just kept rocking up. I just kept coming. I just kept coming to church. I just kept going to that small group, to community, or to Radiance, or to Discovery. And God just started working in me. I can't explain it. I don't necessarily know what happened, but I was there, and God just did something in me. The environment you put yourself in. And then secondly, the active maturing. So when I speak about active maturing, these are the things I think you can say yes to. These are the things I think you can actually, to a great deal, control to have God and have the Holy Spirit bring about that work of maturity and continual salvation within you. So let me ask you some questions. What are you watching? What are you thinking? What's forming your thinking? Is it more TikTok? Is it more Instagram? Is it more bad news than good news? Let me ask you this. What crowds are you surrounding yourself with? Is it conducive to the work of the Holy Spirit within you? Is it helping you grow up? Is it helping you mature? Is it helping you become more like Jesus? What are your habits? What are the things you run to when you've had a difficult day? What are the things you run to when you've had a difficult week? Passive maturing and active maturing. That is the process of a continual salvation in the life of a believer. I want to end just by telling you guys a story. The worship team can maybe join me on stage. One of my absolute favorite things at this point in time in my life is literally just like watching my son. Like, it's not too exciting from your perspective. If you see us, if you like, if you like stare at us from outside our window, don't do that because it's weird. But if you were to like just watch us from a distance, stare into our house from the outside, you would literally just see me and Neil like this the whole day. Just like, wow, just watching him, like frozen, completely like awestruck, just watching Benji. You know why? Because I'm watching him grow. I'm actually seeing him discover things for the very first time that he's never discovered. You know the privilege of watching someone eat or experience or touch something that they've never touched before? The, the excitement in his face, the joy in his face, that moment when he started crawling and he realized that suddenly he has the ability to move from here to there and he loved it he loved it I can see he's close to walking actually like I'm gonna put out a bet out there that I think within the next like two or three weeks he's gonna be walking because I can see him these days he pulls himself up and then he stands and now he's realized that he's not holding on to anything anymore so you can literally see the calculations running in his mind like okay what do I do now and then you can see him calculating from his brain to his feet that something needs to happen here and he tries to take that step and then he kind of just sits down again because it's like a big moment, right? To you, that's maybe super insignificant. To me as a parent, like, wow! Walking, it's not impressive, right? When last did you walk past someone and they went, wow, well done! Like, maybe some of the students when you woke up and you got out of bed, right? The joy in my heart 
as a mom to see my son grow. It's literally, I can't, I can't put it into words. The joy I feel when I see him take a step, when I see him grow, when I see him actually start to mature. And as I was preparing this, I was just so awestruck. If I feel that amount of joy with just like this little human being moving around like on a carpet in our house, can you imagine the joy in your father's heart in heaven when you actually take a step forward in your faith, you grow, you mature, you become more like him. You know, the other reason why I love watching Benji, because I see myself. I think he looks like Neil, but he's me, okay? Like stubborn for sure, very vocal when he's unhappy and very vocal when he's happy. I have such joy watching him because I see myself. I see little traces of me inside him. And it makes me happy. Because I'm seeing him become more of who he is because he's this perfect little mixture between myself and my husband. So he's definitely himself. But I see these distinct kind of characteristics in him that I know I carry. Passion. You know, being vocal and loud and energetic. And it so blesses my heart. Can you imagine what your Father in heaven feels like when you grow? When you take a step forward? When you say yes to the work of the Holy Spirit in you? Even if it's difficult. Even if it's uncomfortable. Even if He challenges everything about you even if he challenges the way you think about your sexuality, your finances, your purpose, the joy from heaven as he watches you go from being a crawling newborn infant in the faith to actually standing by yourself, to actually feeding yourself, to taking that first step and walking and then eventually actually helping other people do the same. That's why I can't wait to have a second baby. Because Benji is going to help that second baby. He's going to be, let me show you how to crawl. Let me show you how to walk. Isn't that just the perfect picture? Tonight's not about, you just have to now be better. Be a better Christian. You know, grow up, do more, pray more, go to church more. No. Tonight is about saying yes to the work of God in your heart to bring about a maturity in your life that'll bring joy to your Father and it'll bring joy to you. But something has to happen before that as well. This might like be news to some of you, but you can't grow unless you were born, right? Like Benji can't grow physically unless he wasn't like physically born, am I right? <laughs> would be awkward. I think some of you are well in that maturing process. You know, you're, you're allowing God to work in you. Some of you just need to say yes to that. Some of you need to stop getting saved again and again and again and again and again, 24 times in a year. 
Some of you just need to start allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you, to change you. Some of you need to consider the environment you're in. Consider the influences that have access to your mind. Consider the things that you're allowing to form your perspective on life and sexuality and politics and all of that. But some of you actually need to be born still. You haven't been born yet. You haven't entered yet into relationship with God. Jesus says that you have to be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. So before we talk about maturity, before we talk about this incredible process of salvation, this incredible journey that God walks with you and me for our entire lives until we see Him one day, before we talk about that, I have to ask you the question, have you been born yet? Have you made the decision to follow Jesus, to put your faith in Him? And I can't end tonight just by making that invitation. If that's you, if you want to be born again, you want to put your faith in Jesus, you want to have Him be Lord and Savior of your life, can I ask you to be very brave and just stand for a moment because we just want to pray for you. That's all we want to do. I want to pray. If there's anyone like that, I want to invite you to stand. There's a gentleman. There's another gentleman. Wonderful. More people. There are people there at the back. This is awesome. Lady here in front. This is beautiful. I'm going to ask some of our ministry team and our leaders just to come around you. We want to pray for you. We want to get your details because we want to celebrate with you and get you connected to church family. We want to make sure that you find a home with, here with us. We want to make sure that you grow, that you mature. If you're close to that person or around them, let's stretch out our hands. Let's pray and let's just thank God for the work of salvation. Father, we thank you that you make us new. Jesus, thank you that you have made a way for us. Father, thank you that you are the only God that comes looking for your children. You break down walls. You tear down lies to build intimacy with us, Jesus. And tonight, Father, we celebrate these people moving from darkness to light, moving from death to life, moving from isolation to relationship. Father, we thank you. We celebrate you, Jesus, because you are the one who does the work. You are the one deserving of glory. You are the one deserving of worship. Father, we thank you for this, Jesus. And we pray tonight as a church family, those putting their faith in you tonight, Father, that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you would seal them and protect them like your word says, that you will do the good work. You will keep on doing the good work. You will complete the good work within them and within us until the day that we see you face to face in Jesus' name. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.